this time on episode 340 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We talk Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 7, the totally excellent adventures of Mac and the D, and we talk your feedback. I'm David S. Dawson from The Intellectual Podcast, a show that spotlights creatives from all walks of life. Part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other incredibly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Director S.P. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Thursday, July 9th, 2020, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast... 80s wide via www.geeks.live. Come join our live chat and talk with us as we record. Ladies, happy National Sugar Cookie Day. This is one I will be celebrating as soon as we're done recording. What makes a sugar cookie? I mean, don't most cookies already have sugar? So what makes a sugar cookie a sugar cookie? According to the nationaldaycalendar.com, the sugar cookie is believed to have originated in the mid-1700s in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. German Protestant settlers created a round, crumbly, and buttery cookie that came to be known as the Nazareth cookie, and then that evolved over time. So it's got to be a combination of brown sugar, butter, and I guess cookie dough? Yeah, it's the proportion of sugar that's in it that gives it that kind of crumbly texture. There's a place that we order cookies from up here in Austin, and they sent a reminder, today's National Sugar Cookie Day, here's this much percent off. And I'm like, uh, we're getting cookies. I did venture out today, but it was on a mission, and it was not to anywhere where I could get sugar cookies. Actually, I might have. Does Ikea have sugar cookies? I mean, probably. I mean, they have meatballs. They have these really good... They're like sandwich cookies, and some of them have like raspberry, and some of them have chocolate, and they're really, really good. And every time we go to IKEA, we get them, which means I haven't had them in months. I did not brave the, I guess they call it restaurant area. Did not brave the restaurant area. I was on a mission. I went to get a few things, got the things, and left, and did not interact with too many people. So my loss, I guess. And I think it's all going there. It's just I. Did not get any Swedish meatballs or anything. Yeah, I'd say you're missing out, but, you know, plague. Definitely. All right, enough of that talk. National Sugar Cookie Day is today, so go ahead and get your sugar cookies. As a named character in Men in Black, sugar. <laughs> in water. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the ABC television show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the multiple Marvel small screen series, and the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes in general. Because of gratuitous 80s references. 
If you'd like to talk to us about all those 80s references, you can visit our website, legendsofshield.com. You can tell us your favorite 80s references at our voicemail, 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. We're on Facebook, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast. We're also on Twitter, at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. You can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash gunnageek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. Ladies, we kind of discussed before the podcast that we didn't really have a news item this week, so we're foregoing the news segment. However, I just want to get your quick thoughts on the Black Widow character reveal that came out this week. Lauren, did you see anything about this? No. Oh, yeah. Michelle? Oh, it's about how the movie's supposed to set up this other character to be like their own story. Like, is it going to be like a new movie franchise or a TV show or... I don't know. I saw a headline and I didn't read because time. I did read that. And I'm actually very excited because of the person playing this character. So, yes, I have positive opinions there. Who? Who's playing the person? It's Florence Pugh. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Important to note. Yeah, it's not exactly a secret. It's been known she's playing Yelena Belova for a while now. Yeah, but Marvel came out and basically said that they're going to go forward with the Black Widow kind of character in this new character. So they think that Scarlett Johansson's time as Black Widow is done, as Endgame should have told us anyway. But this is the official handoff. So this is the new Black Widow in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Which is not unprecedented. In fact, Elena did have her own series where she was, you know, she did take over the Black Widow title from nat and it became this whole thing and yeah yeah so as more comes out about the story we'll definitely talk about it here i try to stay spoiler free but there's definitely a reason to go see black widow in theaters or at home later on this year and with that we're going to get on with the main event the totally excellent adventures of mac and the d which was a episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 7 was broadcast on ABC July 8th, 2020. Lauren, you get the honor of breaking down the director for this great episode. The director was Jesse Bochco, who is a familiar name. He has 16 directing credits starting in 2002, two episodes of Over There, one of The Closer, two of Prison Break, six of Dallas, nine of Murder in the First, and 13 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I was watching some of my old VHS tapes and I actually saw a promo commercial for Prison Break from, you know, back in the early 2000s. It was really interesting seeing those actors, you know, 15 years ago. Anyway, moving on to the writer of the show, which overshadows Jesse as having more episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Who wrote the episode, Michelle? This episode was written by Brent Fletcher, has eight writing credits starting in 2004, including one episode of Angel, one Lost, one Spartacus Gods of the Arena, eight episodes of Spartacus, and 15 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. showrunners for the entire series, including season seven, our husband and wife team, Marissa Tankeron and Jed Whedon. So I've been saying the title this way, the totally excellent adventures of back of the day. Really just my interpretation of it 
But that was the episode that we watched. The meaning of the title, I think, is basically trying to go back to the 80s. And the two have 20 months of bro time. I think that's basically the essence of the episode. And then we get all these 80s references. I love the episode. It was great. It was lighter and more horrific than other episodes all at the same time. But I like the episode. Michelle, what was your early thoughts on it? Okay. In the notes, I see. I called it 80s horror movie mixed with short circuit, mixed with Doctor Who, mixed with Terminator, mixed with War Games, mixed with 18. Also Chopping Mall. Big Chopping Mall references there. The deaths were done in 80s style, where (laughs) you had the Hulk of the person kind of sucked in when the blood rushed out of and so much blood so <laughs> much blood oh my gosh the first time i saw it, i'm like whoa can they do this on tv yes yep 10 o'clock p.m time and so hannibal is back on netflix one of my favorite tv series ever there's this one episode where somebody basically does a blood angel to people and the network's big complaint wasn't the horrific graphic violence it's that you could see butt cheeks. So they made them pour more blood and gore to hide the, the butt crack. Because, you know, blood angels fine, but no butts. America. There was just a lot of blood. A lot of blood. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it so happy. So blood. As I mentioned while we were live tweeting, I love 80s horror. There's just this campy purity to it. And yeah, like one of the big hallmarks is just the improbable amounts of blood just fountaining out of people. In fact, there was one part I was really hoping we were going to get a Nightmare on Elm Street reference because the drummer, Chip, Chaz, whatever his name is, he bears a passing resemblance to Johnny Depp in that movie. Johnny Depp famously had one of the most horrific deaths in that movie. He got sucked into the bed and then just fountains of blood came out. And I was really hoping we'd get that. His actual death in the show was pretty good, too. But still. So it was the drummer Cricket. Cricket. Who was paid by Deke to find Mac to begin with. I don't know how that all went down, but Deke was not impressed with Cricket. And on the second watch, I was like, how did Mac know about Cricket? (laughs) Well, it was because Deke told him that Cricket found him to begin with. Yeah. Well, he was like, hey, so what does that guy do? He's like. He sells cocaine. No, he sells coke. And then Deke was very confused. Deke doesn't know about cocaine. How does Deke not know about cocaine? I guess they're doing different drugs in the future. I know, but if he knew all of those songs, he kind of would know the 80s lore and he would know cocaine was big in the 80s. Not necessarily. necessarily. Because it seems as though the marketing of Coca-Cola has survived into the future and certain stories have survived into their future. Just because you have Breakfast Club doesn't mean you also have Wall Street or anything like that. And part of me is a little worried that they've messed up the time stream so much <laughs> that the people will not get Breakfast Club because Deke stole the song and he did. I understand like the don't you forget about me because of the whole time travel. and He doesn't want Daisy and the rest of them to not forget about them. But that is a song by The Simple Minds, and that goes to The Breakfast Club, which came out in 1985, and this takes place in 1982. So, so the teenager in me is like, 
that movie better still come out. <laughs> there was a lot of 80s references that were actually later 80s. So 85, 86 was Short Circuit. It wasn't anything that they were saying, this is Short Circuit. It was just the bots, the hunters looked an awful lot like Short Circuit. They looked like a wonderful blend of Johnny Five from Short Circuit and the Protector Bots from Chopping Mall, which came out in 86. I remember when I saw the preview originally, I saw the robots and I first saw Chopping Mall because Mac brought it up in like season two, three, something like that. He's talking with Yo-Yo about killer robot movies and stuff. So I was delighted. Seriously, go look up Chopping Mall. Look at the, the, the face is the protector robots from Chopping Mall. The body is Johnny Five. The exterminate is Daleks. It's just a huge, wonderful mishmash. So the, the robots, which none of them were named Five, by the way, they're one, two, three. There was no Five. So Johnny Five is not in here, but it was close enough reference to me. The robots kill Cricket. Now, Cricket is a cocaine dealer and <laughs> he's apparently not a great drummer. No. So nobody really deserves to be killed, but does he deserve it? Okay. By 80s horror movie tropes, he does. Okay. The 80s horror movie tropes were made popular in the movie Scream, which is a 90s movie, but falls back on a lot of 80s slasher nostalgia. And one of the big things in those is if you are shown being unchaste, you're going to die. If you say you'll be right back, you're going to die. Well, we already have a strike against him as a cocaine dealer. We show him messing around with his girlfriend. So immediately I'm like, well, they're dead. Which, like, a minute later they are. It's a good reference without being just an exact look what we did here reference. I love the Deke Squad training sequence and the actual C4 explosive that is used. <laughs> I mean, they're doing paintballs and like shoot, end up shooting each other, or whatever, because they're not an elite team. They're just some people that Deke has pulled together that they can literally act like a covert team, just not like special agents or anything like that. So they're doing this little training thing. And then Olga puts actual <laughs> explosives on the wall and pulls it up like, OK, yeah, this team's got it together. Olga was fun. She's still alive, right? She survived. Yeah. Yes. No, she survived. So she, they are now the new S.H.I.E.L.D. team. I mean, May is there, Yo-Yo is there, and they're interacting with this new S.H.I.E.L.D. team inside the lighthouse. For a few days. Fair enough. Because they have, what, 27 days? Yes. That is something I wanted to talk about. So last time we postulated that the Comic-Con ship got blew up, and we were wondering what was controlling their jaunts through time because in the past they had been following the Comic-Con ship. Now, the Comic-Con ship might still be there, Maybe the construct where Sybil and Coulson were uh, got blew up, but the ship is still working itself the way forward. I mean, we postulated some things last time, but if the ship is not there, what is pulling the team forward in time? Well, remnants of the ship are there. We saw in the wreckage, they pulled out the blue thing or whatever Sybil survived in the system colson survives in the system remember when they explained that just because the ship's apart it doesn't mean the time thingy is completely damaged and the time thingy can travel without the rest of the ship as long as the time thingy 
is working. And what was interesting is that what happens is they actually made a pit stop in 1982. That's when Mac and Deke get stranded and then the Zephyr leaves. But Deke says there's something wrong. And it's probably the reaction to the Chromicom ship being damaged. I think it's just the Chromicons are screwing around with time as they go forward. I don't think it's, it could be a combination of things, but the Chromicons themselves have been making waves, not ripples in history. So it's more Chromicons that are responsible for the changes in history, in my opinion, than the team, but they're both making changes. I thought the blue thingy was their time drive time device whatever yeah it could be it was timelines that they were referring to but yeah it could be the actual thing that's moving the ship forward we're going to find out a little bit more about it next week so we'll see about that as far as the sybil and colson surviving so colson said he survived in a hard drive i have to assume it's a chromicon hard drive because hard drives in 1982 were not capable of holding an entire AI consciousness within it. Could barely hold a song. <laughs> I remember it was like 20 megabytes or something like that. It wasn't much at all. Uh. And Sybil wasn't even in a hard drive. She was actually in the electrical system. So I don't know how she survived. Uh, hand wavy robot magic. I don't know. If Haley was here, she'd say magnets. Yes, clearly. So I love when the computer repair nerd at the beginning is talking to Sybil. It just reminded me of war games with the whole. Would you like to play a game? Yes. No. Yeah. 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 Again, it's, it's got the feel without being a direct reference. And not just war games. It was just any computer. If you played around with computer games, text computer games back then, that was a pretty common command. Yes. No. Hey, remember basic? I do. <laughs> 10, X equals 1. 20, <laughs> X equals X plus 1. I used to get, um, I think it was Contact Magazine. And one of the things that they would have every issue was a bunch of basic commands for you to run like a simple computer game. And the one I remembered playing just over and over and over again was kind of a I did a rod type thing, like sled dog sled racing. It was a lot of fun. We talked about my lemonade stand days a few weeks ago. Yeah, that was my introduction to games. Although I don't think that was basic programming because that was on a VIC-20, but I don't Mac, we got to talk about Mac. Mac just loses all hope of anything. And that's not to be a double entendre or whatever with, with hope, his daughter. He has lost his parents and he just stops functioning. He finds himself cabin in the woods somewhere by River's End, and he just holds up for months. I don't know how he's affording it. I can only imagine he might have had cash stashed in the motorcycle or something like that. I don't know. But he's just sitting there drinking beer, eating pizza, getting fat, and growing the longest beard <laughs> I have ever seen on the show. I'm convinced that Deke was the one who was paying for his sadness vacation and yeah it's real funny I, I was watching him grow the beard i mentioned 
on Twitter that it was instead of the scruff of evil, now we have the beard of sadness, which is also, let's face it, its own character. Hello, Max Beard. And somebody at LVNVNWA mentioned, yeah, but he's still got his head shaved, though. So, you know, you, you want to keep up a look. He definitely kept up the look. He, he suited up later on, which was great. He put on the leather, the sleeveless suit, shield suit or whatever at the time, the leather gloves with the fingers cut off. And he gets his shotgun axe once he gets his Mac back on. But it takes a while to get there. And Deke was really everything that held it together. And Mac basically told him at the beginning, you need to figure this out. Deke is worried about Mac. Deke has had his parents taken away from him. Deke knows that Mac is suffering and he does. He steps in. He helps out little Mac and his brother. He helps out their uncle who's taking care of him. He helps out Deke or or, uh, Mac apparently. And he's got this team going with him that the cover band, which is a cover for a shield team, which is pretty cool. And so, yeah, Deke actually takes Mac's advice to heart at the beginning, and he deals with it to the point where he even finds Coulson. That whole, that would have been a great origin story of getting Coulson into Mac's headroom. <laughs> I really love the dynamic between Mac and Deke this episode, because as far back as last season, we've had Mac just so annoyed with Deke. Because of the whole becoming a tech bro thing and basically just stealing shield technology and tech from the future and passing it off as his own. And here he's mad at him for doing the same thing, but with cover bands. And he thinks that Deke is this self-aggrandizing, as he puts it, Peter Pan, when in reality, Deke has pretty much always had to be scrambling. We saw him with his bootleg framework back in the day. He was in the, that terrible, terrible environment of the lighthouse in the future. So it's kind of no wonder that he'd be trying to work an angle to set himself up and be comfortable. But as we see now, the growth that he's had, he also wants his friends to be comfortable and happy. He's taking a measure of responsibility by, again, looking after Little Mac and Little Mac's brother. He's trying to keep S.H.I.E.L.D. going as best he can. When A, he's stuck in a different timeline that's not his own, and B, his director has basically given up. And then the reconciliation between the two at the end, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the two of them interact with each other for the rest of the series. Yeah, they did the hand clasp in the middle. I think that everything was reconciled at that point. And Mac took his directorship back. Largely because Deke was there helping him out, but also because Coulson was there giving him advice as they went on. That's another thing for Mac because he didn't believe that Coulson should have been there to begin with. And then they agreed that they would reevaluate things. Coulson brought that up again, been doing a lot of self-reflection as he's going forward. But also remember, Coulson wanted to be part of the planning circle. He wanted to be brought in to the planning, which I thought was kind of neat. Like, okay. Deke pulling the TV in. That just reminded me at school when they had the big TVs on the cart with the VCR and being pushed around. (laughs) Yeah, that scene where Mac is pushing Coulson down the hallway. That was pretty And they were talking back and forth. That, That was pretty funny. And then you see May come in at the end of the episode and you just see the angle that they get 
where they're actually supposed to be talking to each other, but they have to face Coulson in a little bit so that you can actually see from the camera. You can see his face from the camera and you can also see May. It was just a very interesting shot if you're interested in filmmaking, how they pulled that one off right there. But yeah, the cart. And I was thinking, how do they power the cart? There's no extension cord with the cart. How is Coulson being powered? It's deep. I'm sure (laughs) there's some sort of, you know, battery thing he's got going. Yeah, well, he's from the future. That's true. Yeah, it's fine. It'll work out. It's fine. But I do think their friendship is repaired and probably stronger than ever. And we've had bros on the show before. And I think these just are the new version of bros. So remember, you had Trip and you had Colson in the past. I mean, there's been bros. R.I.P. Trip. So another thing that I kind of wanted to talk about was we mentioned it. I was going to say a little, but a lot already, but all the 80s references. One of the things that I loved was that it took the gist of things without being direct references, like Deke in that flight suit looking jumpsuit with the aviator sunglasses, very top gun. The bro clasp reminded me of Commando. Was it Commando or Predator? I think it was Predator. Predator. Yeah. Again, it's just the don't you forget about me moment. It just made me so very happy. Plus, there's a disco ball in the lighthouse. I was wondering, was that like a Charlie's Angels reference or something? Like, you have a party central of your secret hideout? I think it's just like a generic 80s thing. Like, you remember in 80s sitcoms and stuff, there's always like a freeze frame or a dance party or any of the dance parties in any of the many, many high school movies of the 80s? Yeah, just the hot tub. The hot tub goes away. The hot tub is taken out of the command center by the time that Mac gets back in and they get on their way. Maybe that's where they hide the battery to power Coulson. And maybe the Chang brothers. That was. I'm thinking we've had our Patton Oswald characters. Couldn't we just steal one of those at this point in time? Or do we have to have the Changs? We have to have the Changs. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter what I want right now. The- <laughs> entire season's been filmed already so they're not going to change anything again i loved the characters the little again reference to the a team they are very much not even the b team there may be like the h team the w team i mean you work with what you got (laughs) that is true also did you i know that mac eventually goes to bring the model to make it with little mac but when he was in the cabin and he was doing models, did you guys recognize the models at all that he was working on? Okay, do you mean like the types of cars or just the yeah. model kits in general? No. The- okay, I did notice that at first I was like, is that Lola? But yes. I looked at the package and it says it's a 1967 Corvette. Yes. Lola is a 1962 Corvette. But, right. you know, close enough for government work. That's what I was thinking. So the first one was close, but not quite there with Lola. The second one reminded me of Bullet. Now, it wasn't exactly a Bullet Mustang, but it was close enough for Bullet. And then the van that he was working on was very clearly, to me anyway, an A-Team van, but it wasn't an A-Team van. So anyway, those are the models that he was working on. Other references without making references in the 80s. That was pretty cool. At the end, my heart actually went out to Yo-Yo because she rushed into the lighthouse. I'm surprised that they didn't bring the Zephyr in, but they take a Quinjet in 
and may and yo-yo get in there and, and yo-yo's just sprinting off to get to max it's been 20 months he needs he need I, I can't imagine him going through all this without me and she gets in there and they have their their moment and it was an awesome moment because mac had pulled himself together back at that point in time he wasn't sad mac with the beard growing or anything he was director mac again and it was good for both of them i think my heart that was just very good that reunion and then of course may seeing colson again and being just like yeah i knew i would i'm wondering we'll probably get more clarification next week the way that i'm reading this situation is remember it's easier for them to go back in time than to go forward in time no it's easier for them to go forward, forward. than back is it yes huh. okay because they're going on the heels of the Chromacons, which are going forward. In order to go backwards in time, they need a chunk out of the time monolith. Okay. So we have the Zephyr coming back. I had taken, I had been thinking it was easier for them to go back in time than forward. And I had been taking it as it might not have been that long for the crew in the Zephyr. They get back to as close as they can get. And that's when they see it's been 20 months you know, real time and that they were being like pulled forward in the wake and we're going to have to keep jumping back. I don't know. That assumption is kind of blown out of the water. Now we'll see what happens next week. We'll see if we get an explanation at all. I think we're going to have to, because they are worried about it too, because they were being pulled forward. They're assuming that the Comic-Con ship was blown up. And so now they have to figure out why. And Mac even brings it up. Deke and Mac at the very beginning of the episode were talking about why this effort was jumping around because they assumed that the Chromicon ship was dead. So they don't, if you're talking about the characters, Team Shield, they don't understand what's going on. So they're going to have to figure out what's going on as they go forward in the rest of the season. Uh, before we talk about the future, though, I want to circle back on, on one thing. Michelle, you were very much intrigued about. Mac being his own dad, while that specifically didn't happen, were you okay with the interaction that Mac had with little Mac? I thought that was sweet that, you know, he needed time. And then at the end, I love that there was Uncle Deke. So I was sort of kind of right. We had Deke in their lives. We have, I think they're probably called him Uncle Deke, Uncle Deke or something. And Deke was definitely bankrolling the family as best as he could in order to make their lives as comfortable as they could. So going forward, we still have the loss of powers of Yo-Yo. We have May's issues with her emotions. We don't know exactly what's going on with Daisy. It's only been hours, I think, since we last saw the team. So Daisy's still recovering and probably why she was not on the Quinjet. And you have Enoch and Simmons trying to do their thing i'm not exactly sure what that is but they have 27 days now that's a lot of time to actually plan something and do something i'm not going to talk specifically about the promotion for next week but we can talk about the last scene <laughs> the shawarma and we had hoped that nathaniel was dead it doesn't appear like that's the case. Yeah, I guess he's still alive and still terrible. So the arm that I thought looked like Dummy, the robot arm from Tony Stark's lab, except much smaller, 
we see it on its little trek and we see I loved the scene where we see it. We don't actually see it go down the stairs, but it's kind of zigzagging and it's implied that it's taking the long way down the stairs. That made me laugh. But then I stopped laughing when we saw who picked up the little blue time thingy that the arm handed off. It's Nathaniel. I didn't hear what he said because I was busy yelling. He was talking back and forth to Sybil. So Sybil has her own Max Hedrum thing ginned up and Nathaniel was talking back and forth to her and she was trying to make a partnership with him, basically. I can only assume at this point in time that he has actually got control of his powers. I don't know how strong they are. I don't know how weak they are, but they were strong enough to bring down the barn and crush his bones before. I can't imagine the pain that he went through. And it's been more than 20 months. I forget how far in the future they jumped. So it was 1976 to 1982. So it's a six year jump. Yeah. And then now with the 20 months, now we're in 1983. Yeah. So it's been seven or eight years now. And that's a long time for him to deal with whatever he's got going on. Yeah. He's going to be dangerous. I'm anticipating a lot of yelling. So without getting any spoilers, do you you guys want to predict what's going to happen next episode or for the rest of the season? I will start with Michelle. Next week's title is called After Before, and I'm hoping that we get fits. That would make sense. This might show where he's been. Fitz is a huge hole to this entire season. And it seems as though... Are they going after the Inhumans? Like, are they going to try to get rid of the Inhumans before they rise? Or are they going to take control of the Inhumans and build an Inhuman army? Could this be Marvel's way of ending the Inhuman story, period, dot? It would not surprise me. That would put a bow on the Inhuman series. It would justify them not bringing the Inhumans into the MCU because I don't think there's any thought of doing that, especially now that they have the mutants that they can play around with. I think that's going to be part of the season. Yeah, kind of bookend all the non-currently in MCU stuff. Anything else, Michelle? Are you comfortable with those predictions? Yeah. Okay. Lauren, you got anything? A lot of yelling. I don't know if next week they're going to kill Nathaniel Malik or if he's going to be recurring for the rest of the season. I don't know, but a lot of yelling. I'm wondering who else they're going to bring back because they are definitely doing the greatest hits. This season wasn't exactly the greatest hits, although you actually see Max Brother in here. It's just not grown up Max Brother. And it was a, a lighthearted episode, except for the horror, where you needed it. Because last episode was just, wow. It was very heavy. The horror was still pretty lighthearted for me. If they're following their formula so far, they're going to get one more episode in the 80s and then they're going to go to the 90s. <laughs> Next episode is episode 8. There's 13 episodes in the season, so they could do two in the 90s, which would bring up to episode 10, and then maybe two in the 2000s, which would bring them to episode 12. We still need to bring Fitz back into the whole thing. I don't know if that's going to be the conclusion or if that's going to be a separate episode at this point. Why do you think they're going to the 90s? Because they started in the 30s, went to the 50s, and then they went to the 70s. So just because they're in the 80s doesn't mean they're going to go into the 90s. I was just 
throwing it out there that if they do two in each time period that they're in, they could do two in the 90s, they could do two in the 2000s, and then, then two in the 2010s, but they only have another four episodes that they can do that same formula with, with an extra one that you either do a fits episode or a conclusion episode, and hopefully with fits in there. It's episode seven. We don't have any fits. We have not seen fits in seven episodes. Nope. <laughs> well, as Michelle mentioned, next week we will be talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode seven, season eight, after, comma, before. And I am looking forward to that. If you have any feedback before we record Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, make sure you get that to us at Stargate Pioneer at gunnageek.com or go ahead and hit us up on our discord which is at gunnageek.com slash discord or reply to our twitter account at legends of shield we have a little bit of feedback this week on twitter during the live tweets etc first off we have from at adonna girl Ron Glass tribute in tonight's episode, and she linked to a Cinema Blend article. The article is from July 6th, and it's about how, from the previews, they found a little tribute to Ron Glass, who Whedon fans might know from Firefly. He played Shepard Book, and he was also in season one as Dr. Strayton, who is one of the doctors who brought back Coulson. I cannot remember this agent's name. Dark-haired girl talked to Mac, was mad at Mac for abandoning his son. Roxy Glass. Roxy Glass, yes. So her thing says, her little jumpsuit says, our glass. So Ron Glass. Ron Glass. Yay. Yeah. Little reference, but again, it's, it's one of those references without being in your face about it that the episode did really well. Yeah, we also got another response, didn't we? Yeah. From at LVNVNWA, truly ahead of their time when they made this season. And that was in response to one of the live tweets that I made earlier, which uh, (laughs) was about Mac having cabin fever. No, Deke saying, walking into Mac's place saying full cabin fever. I said 2020 in one gif. And that's what they responded. And I mean, where's the lie? It's been hitting on all cylinders, so hats off to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. writer's room and producers, showrunners. We also have been having a back and forth with another Marvel podcast, The Marvelous Madams. I just want to say thank you very much for the interaction back and forth on our Twitter account and for the follow as well on Twitter, as well as the mention on your podcast in the latest episode from last week. So thank you very much, Marvelous Madams. We look forward to interacting back and forth with you in the future go listen to it if you want to hear two women talking and very adult (laughs) talking about certain characters on the show so right up my alley exactly i think you'd love it and once again that's the marvelous madams in the meantime what we're going to do is we're going to get together in our 80s gear you know, our, our flashy 80s gear and our 80s hand. We're going to go up on stage and we're going to sing some 80s cover songs on our way out of here.
I'd love to actually sing some like Don't You Forget <laughs> About Me or any of the other songs that were mentioned. But, uh, you know, due to copyright infringement, I'm just not going to. Aww. So thank you, listener, for staying with us. And we have six more episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's all we've got. That's it. And then show's done for. But there's plenty more Marvel to cover. So we will be planning on doing that. And once again, thank you to the listeners for reviewing us on Podchaser or giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate that because it lets us know what portions of the show that you guys really enjoy. Thank you to everybody who got a hold of us on Twitter this week. I am so glad to be doing live tweets again. I love hearing from you. I love seeing your own live tweets. Just thank you. It makes it makes my day. Thank you to everyone who downloads, watches, listens. We're really grateful that you are on this ride with us. I want to say thank you to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. team. You guys made this last year, so we actually have new material to talk about this year, which wouldn't have happened, really if they had filmed on a normal basis so we're we really appreciate that again they're ahead of their time (laughs) yeah they are indeed so with that until next time i'm director sp i'm agent lauren and i'm agent michelle bye see everybody next time bye-bye wash your hands wear a mask you can turn on your fan michelle thank you for listening If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunnageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Oh my god. (laughs) Pike. Well, are you in or out? Are you in or out? I'm out and proud. One meow is in, two meows is out. Okay, he's decided to come in here with me. He's been really, really codependent over the last couple days. Which I don't mind because I like it when he snuggles up to me when I'm feeling bad. But, uh, like, he'll scream when I go to the bathroom and close the door. Really? Yeah. Earlier today, I I took a hot bath to try to prepare for this. Yeah. And he was so concerned that I was in water. Oh, because, of course, he doesn't like water. No. As most cats don't. God. Even the wrong- okay, I'll save it for the show. Saving it. Saving it for the show. <laughs> I know it's got to be hot. For you, Michelle, so I'm gonna make this quick. Actually bought an air conditioner, so it's no. not okay. I made a IKEA run today. That was Yay. interesting. Taylor, the youngest, is moving into her college apartment, which is gonna happen whether or not 
there's college because it's an apartment. It's not a dorm in a little less than a month. And so she needs furniture. Mm-hmm. And she decided instead of trying to go on like Facebook marketplace or garage sales or anything like that, she wanted Ikea furniture. I'm like, okay, it's flat pack furniture. Yeah. Looks kind of decent, but it's not meant to last forever, but, and it's cheap. So I'm like, okay, well, Ikea is running out of stuff left, right, and backwards now too, because of everything going on, slowing the distribution chain not able to get the stuff shipped from Poland or wherever it's being made. And uh, we're going to have to piecemeal a room. We got most of the stuff already, but the bed Mm. still needs to be found. They're out countrywide. So it's not just here. Yeah. They're not out of all the beds, just the bed of the bed set that she picked out. So I'll probably be making another run whenever to try to, to get that. But, yeah, Ikea is interesting nowadays. They do require masks. Yeah, I haven't been since just before all of this started when we got our couch. Oh, you got an Ikea couch? Yeah, it's putting it together was a bit of a hassle, but I like it. It's certainly better than our 30-some-year-old <laughs> about the weight of a neutron star couch yeah. that we had. <laughs> Yeah, we got the couch from there. We got a display case for like minis and stuff that's out in our living room. Mm -hmm. I actually got a couple of little stands that my sound equipment is on. Oh, good. The chair that I'm sitting on, I got from there. Because my computer chair is too big and awkward to fit in here. Oh, yeah. Been down that, that road before. Yeah. I'm going to be looking for a new chair this year sometime, so we'll see. Oh, I love my new chair. Expensive, (laughs) but worth it. Yeah, this was expensive when I got it, and I probably got it like four years ago, four or five years ago, so it's time for a new one. It's just making all sorts of noise. I don't know if you can hear that or not. but Yep, I can hear that, yeah. Yeah, it definitely needs to, to go, and there's no way to lubricate it or anything. Yeah. Also... Got the insurance settlement for the leakage today. (laughs) Unfortunately, it wasn't nearly enough to cover the cost of all the necessary repairs. And I have good insurance. So I'm like, yeah. The only thing they covered was the actual drywall damage on the wall behind me. I didn't cover Mm -hmm. anything else. Wow. So it's going to be, with all the repairs included, probably on the order of $15,000. But I got to get it done. So that starts tomorrow of agreeing to the contract and looking at where I'm going to get the money from that sort of thing. I I was thinking of selling one or two of the kids, but (laughs) in this economy. Yeah. That's why two mean one doesn't get you there. So it's be two. Right now, Pike is being a little ginger loaf at my feet. It's very cute. Aww. He's a good cat sometimes. I've been watching a lot of VHS tapes, right? Yeah. So I got to this tape that it had a couple things on it. One was Brothers and Sisters. And I know I've mentioned Brothers and Sisters probably on the podcast before, but 
there were so many good actors on that. <laughs> I just scratched my head over why it folded so quickly, other than the storyline just wasn't all that intriguing. But the acting was there. Sally Field, Calista hmm. Flockhart, Rob Lowe, list goes on. Cool. Okay, I saw that Pike escaped halfway through. Uh, yeah, then he came back and then he escaped again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you go have a great night. All right, y'all too. Okay, bye. 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 Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2020.